0: Please turn with me in God's holy words to Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three. From that text we read earlier. Joshua chapter three, and our text will be this chapter of God's holy word. And our title for this evening's message is "Crossing to Canaan." Crossing to Canaan. <laughs> Journeys or trips or when you're traveling anywhere new can be very challenging. I don't know if you've noticed that the first time you've ever gone somewhere, maybe you're taking a new trip for the first time. You're far more tired that time than you are the times when you go there afterwards. And so we see with the people of God, they are traveling on a journey that they haven't been on before. And such first times of traveling can be very exhausting. And once we go through things by experience, we can learn from these things. But the first time we can be nervous. I don't know if many of you can remember your first time learning to drive. It's a lot easier now than it was. Or the first time at school, your first day, you may still remember many years later. Or perhaps your first day or first week at a new job. In our text, the people of God are facing something they haven't faced before. Crossing of the Jordan. Yes, they crossed the Red Sea but this was a different part of the journey. They had reached the end of this part, the end part of a long journey which brought them first out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And then they spend a long time, an entire generation, 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. And now they are, east of the Jordan River, east of Canaan, ready to cross over this river, this one barrier between them and the promised land. Now, we're not told, but I'm sure that in many ways that they may have been nervous. And they were. We have some indications in the book of Numbers. They complained. They had their doubts. They had all sorts of problems, but they had been delivered from doom and destruction of Egypt. Egypt had been crushed under the waters of the Red Sea, falling around them, but they had been delivered from that. And they had been delivered, why? By faith. They had passed through that Red Sea by faith. How would they pass through this Jordan River? By faith into a land not ruled by sin and oppression like Egypt before them, but it was to be a land once it was delivered from Canaanites to Hittites to Perizzites and all the other groups, to be a land where righteousness dwells and where Jesus Christ is king, freed from sin, freed from oppression where righteousness dwells. How would we feel at the end of all that journey Moses is not there anymore. The entire generation is not there anymore. There's only two people, Joshua and Caleb, still there. And they're there by faith. And by faith alone. To leave behind the experience of Moab and sin, where they are at this moment in time, at the beginning of our text, to go into a land of milk and honey. Think about it. The land that Moses wanted to see the land that they all wanted to see, and an entire generation wiped out through wandering in the wilderness. This is a big event. This was a big event, and they needed God to cross over this Jordan River and to pass into Canaan. And as we look at this text, I want us to think about this as well. We're all one day going to cross our own Jordan River, not the physical Jordan River as they did, but death. And will we do so with the power of God, safely on dry ground? Or will we go and face eternal death? We will all stand before God. So by God's grace, may this passage teach us about these two possibilities. Either we will face eternal life in Jesus Christ, or we will face eternal death because of our own sin. The first point that we're going to look at here this evening is guided by God. Guided by God. Verse number one of our text. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. I want us to think about this as they moved forward, as they journeyed toward their eventual home in Canaan. How did they move forward? Yes, you might say with their feet, but they move forward by faith. They move forward by faith. One of my professors in college, I remember he used to have this saying, he would say quite often, he would say this, it's hard to end well. It's a phrase of his I used to always remember. It's hard to end well. This is near the end of this portion of the journey. And it has claimed the entire generation, as we said earlier, How will they enter? By faith. Every step along this journey is by faith. And every step backwards toward Egypt. You can see it in Numbers chapter 13. They complained. And some of them, by Numbers chapter 14, wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to remove Moses and return. So every step forward was by faith. Every step backwards was unbelief and a returning to Egypt where they had been delivered from. Now, how do we walk by faith toward our final destination, our own heavenly Canaan? Canaan is not just there so that they could have a piece of land. It was important, of course, but it was to point toward an even important, more important Canaan, our heavenly Canaan, to teach us About our future, to teach us about a land of milk and honey, to teach us, give us a taste of what it would be like, a a land with better fruits, a land with plenty, a land of bliss, a land of rest, a land of peace. It was very unusual. You could actually see it throughout the scriptures. Whenever there was a famine in the land, something was wrong. It was linked to sin and covenant breaking. How did they move forward? Guided by God. And they must remain guided by God as they reached toward that end of that passage, before they crossed over that Jordan River, just as much as they needed to be guided by God at the very beginning when they were brought through the Red Sea. See what I'm saying? you need to be guided by God just as much at the beginning of your walk with Christ as you are near the end of your walk on this earth as my friend once said it's hard to end well what happens to the marathon runner he he has run over 20 miles he's tired he's weary he sees the final line and he speeds up, doesn't he? He sees that and can't wait for it to be over. And sometimes in our walk, as we get closer and closer to the finish line, and we can see it, we can throw off caution in a way we didn't in previous years. It is hard to end well. That's why it is that many people may serve the Lord so faithfully for many years, but near the end, sin can, for some, creep in. We wish to speed up the process. We cannot wait to reach our final destination. But friends, we cannot speed it up. How long would they be lodged there in verse number one? According to the guidance of God, according to God's own timing. Because many of us, we can't wait to be out of the plains of Moab to no longer be in the presence of sin and oppression and difficulty and and enemies and trials. But it's all in God's hands. It must be in God's hands and in God's timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 1 and verse 2. says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that, that which is planted. Or to put it another way, a time for them to pass over that Jordan River. How long will they lodge there? The Lord knows. And we need guidance to end well. Verses two and three, verses two and three of our text. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. This is the army. And they commanded the people saying, when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. You see the importance of leadership here. You see the importance of the officers. They went through the host and they commanded. There is authority, and it's based upon the will of God. Nothing I say, nothing anybody else says has any authority unless it can be backed up by scripture. Thus saith the Lord, that is. The authority, but the Lord has also given authority to officers to command based upon the word of the living God. To teach. See, we have 10 commandments in the scriptures. We have 10 commandments. These are commandments. These are things we are commanded to do. And also we are blessed in doing them. And to follow in the way of the Lord. You must be there in public worship to hear from God. Many of the reformers would acknowledge that, yes, this is the word of God. The scriptures, God breathe. But then as they also recognized, when the word of God is preached faithfully, according to the word of God, that is itself the word of God. We must hear from God. We must hear. And they went through the host and they commanded the people. You see the Ark of the Covenant. This is where the presence of the Lord was. The Lord's blessed presence was between the cherubims in the midst of this Ark of the Covenant. And they were to go and to follow God. But notice how it's not independent of the church. Yes we're to follow God, yes we're to follow the scriptures, but the Lord has also given teachers and other parts of the body to help the body to go forward, not so everybody's going in a different direction. And this is what we see in much of the modern church, but we're all going in the same direction. That's what we want, don't we? We want to go the same direction. We want to move as one body in the one direction to glorify God. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11. It says this in verse 11 and verse 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of of Christ, Not everyone has the same role. Not everyone in the early church was an apostle. Not everyone was a pastor. But these roles are given to the edifying of the church. And the officers here went throughout the host, commanding them, giving them instruction to edify them as they went along their journey. Now, Preachers and teachers and other people, we don't get everything right. But do you make use of the things that you have been taught, applying them, not just to remain in your mind, not just to store away information, but to apply it to your lives. If you find out something in your life is not in conformity to the word of God, and there'll be many things if you're like me. We're all sinners, every single one of us. All of us fall short. Do you seek to apply? Do you seek to say, I am wrong in this area. I need to change. I need to go forward by faith, closer to my heavenly home, closer to the will of God, closer to the will of of heaven moved as God directs us how and when and in his way. Now we need the scriptures, but we also don't want to be mechanical about it. the Spirit of God as we pray mightily over things. Do you pray? When you're making big decisions as a congregation, do you pray? The Spirit of God is needed to make wise decisions. And that's walking by faith. We don't go blindly into these things. And the sight that we have, we walk by faith and not by sight, is from the word of the living God. It is a light that shineth in a dark place. But as we reach, as we get closer to our final part, and none of us know how long we have in this world, don't throw off caution. Don't throw off the word of the living God. You may say, I know I'm a Christian. That's okay for me. Friends, we need wisdom. We need to be filled with wisdom at every single point of this journey as we travel to our heavenly Canaan. Our second point this evening, our second point this evening is changed by God. Changed by God. So we've looked at guided by God. Now we're going to look at changed by God, verses four and five of our text. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Here, and Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves. As you follow the Lord, sanctify yourselves. Robert Murray McShane said this, the greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. Our holiness along this journey, is more important than we realize. Our nearness unto God, and put it another way, our change as we travel, our sanctification, our nearness to God matters. It matters. Our personal holiness, Robert Murray McShane, when he said that, he realized the importance of when he preached a truth that he better know, in his life, and by his witness, contradict what he is preaching and what he is teaching. It says in verse number four, the beginning, yet there shall be a space between you and it. There's a space between the Ark of the Covenant and between them and the people. There's a gap. There's a separateness. There's a separation as they followed the Ark, and they were not to treat the Ark as something common. They were not to treat the ark as anything other but something that is holy, set aside, but special. There's a similar idea in Exodus 19 and verse 12. Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 12. It says this in verse number 12 of Exodus 19. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about saying, take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall surely be put to death. There's a, a separateness. And that's holy. That's what it means. It means to be set apart. It means to be separate. God is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah 6 verse 3. And what it means in a number of things, God is holy from, separate from his creation. God is different. God is not like anything we see around us. To whom will you compare me? God cannot be compared to anything we see around us in this world. He is holy. But he's also holy and he is pure, spotless. Without corruption in any way, shape, or form, without any way diminished in his radiance and his splendor, he is holy. And over and over again, this is emphasized. The God you follow, the God we serve, is holy. And he's not to become before casually. He is holy. And as we learn the holy, as we learn about him, we change. God changes us. He fills us with wisdom. The more we are changed to be like him. Verse number five, and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. They were in that day, as they follow the ark, carried by the priests, they were to be changed and more and more to the image of Christ. Be holy, for I am holy. How much more today? Jesus Christ has come into the world, and he has shown the world through his life, through his death. He has shown us, by his life, what holiness looks like. Perfect keeping of the law of God. How can we be changed? How can we be sanctified? Jesus prayed that his people, that the people of God would be sanctified in his high priestly prayer in, in John 17:17, 17, 17. "Sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth." And as you come to the public means of grace, as you come to the public worship, you prepare your hearts, reading the scriptures, perhaps. Prayer before you come and meet with God in a special way. Having that closeness with God. Does he not command holiness today from us, the people of God, just as much as he demands holiness and demanded holiness in Joshua's day? But we also have something that they did not have a greater closeness. The way has been made open and we should not take this for granted. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19. Jesus has died, taken our punishment, clothed us in his righteousness by faith and by faith alone. And it says in Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 22. Having therefore brethren boldness. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated, that is consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, the flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled from, the, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Friends, we have been given access in the public worship of God to come into the Holy of Holies through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful blessing. The blessings of the New Testament are so, so wonderful. Purchased by the blood of Christ. Will we not also prepare our hearts, sanctify ourselves as we approach before God, which is such a wonderful privilege that we have as we worship God in public. Our third point this evening is promised by God. Promised by God. Guided by God. Changed by God. Promised by God. What will happen after they cross the Jordan River? Now, in Joshua chapter 2, we see spies being sent into the land to learn of the land. Also in the book of Numbers, there's spies sent to see the land. Canaan is filled with enemies. And they have yet to see, they have yet to see with their own eyes full victory. They haven't seen it yet. They see these strong, powerful strongholds raised against the knowledge of the truth in this land. But do we walk by faith or do we walk by sight? By sight, by human sight, it's, it's, it's futile. They're not strong enough but with God, nothing is impossible. It's important to be reminded that we're not going to see the full victory in this world, do we? We're going to see tastes of it. We're going to see blessings. We're going to see people coming to Christ and wonderful encouragement, but we don't see the full victory. We live in a world that And there's still death in the world. And death is an enemy still not put under the feet of Christ, as it will be at the end of time. We need to be reminded of the promises of God. What does it say in verse number 10? As they're told what will happen in Canaan when they cross over. And Joshua said, hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, that he will without fail drive out. Before you, the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Now God, in every single moment along, has carried out and done exactly as promised. He is trustworthy. He is good. He is worthy of their trust, as he is worthy of our trust today. They haven't seen that full, glorious victory yet. They'll see it far more at the end of the book of Joshua. But at that moment, what do they need to do? Trust God's word. For we walk by faith and not by sight. When we breathe our last breath, we have some idea what is going to happen afterwards. In some ways we don't. And what we have to do with when we face that those final moments, when death comes to us all, as we approach closer to it, trust the promises of God that he will deliver us, he will bring us where he has promised to bring us. He'll give us tastes of heaven here. But we must walk by faith and not by sight. We need God's promises to keep us going. At the end of the book of Joshua, we see what happened in Joshua 21, verses 43 down to 45. Joshua 21, verses 43 to 45. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give unto their fathers and they possessed it and dwell therein and the lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swear unto their fathers and there stood not a man of all their enemies before them the lord delivered all their enemies into their hand there failed not aught of any good thing which the lord had spoken unto the house of israel all came to pass And friends, every single promise that the Lord has made to you in Jesus Christ, all will come to pass. All the promises and the blessings, the eye hath not seen nor the ear heard. All the Lord has promised us his people. It points to a far better future. It points to a trust and a confidence. We must have our trust and confidence in God. We're not going to understand everything about the future. We're not going to have intimate details of what will happen between now and when we finally breathe our last breath and go on into our heavenly Canaan. We must trust the Lord, as it says in Deuteronomy 29 and 29. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. And that's a wonderful promise. Those things revealed belong unto us by faith and unto our children. But the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. And we need to trust him. With those things, those things we don't fully grasp, those things we struggle with, those things we have anxieties about, to trust in God's promised future. Friends, what has God promised you? Do you have anxiety about death? Now, we've seen so much of this over the last few years. Since 2020, people terrified of dying. It ought not to be so in the Christian church. It ought not to be so. In the early church, people would gladly, not always, they were obviously as imperfect as we are, but many would gladly give their lives because they knew of the better future that awaited them. Or to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Will death separate you from God? Will it? Can it? It cannot. If we turn to Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13 and verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as are ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In your darkest moments, you need that promise. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You need to cling, friend, to that promise. You may not at this moment see the importance of such a promise. But when you come to those dark moments, those valleys of difficulty in your Christian experience. You need those promises to cling to, to cling to him. Death or anything that man can do will not separate you from the promises of God. Your future is assured in Jesus Christ. Your heavenly Canaan future is assured in Jesus Christ. And as we walk closer to that river, God will never abandon us. Our final point, number four, bridged by God. Bridged by God. Number one, again, guided by God, to changed by God. We must be changed in our being led by God. We're promised by God many wonderful things that we should remind ourselves of and then bridged by God. There is a gap. There is a gap because of our sin. There is a gap because of our inability. There is a gap because we face a difficulty that we can't in our own nature overcome. In our text, the Jordan River, when they reached unto it, it is overflowing. Verse number 15, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. This is not some shallow river that can just be walked on. This is deep and it is wide and it is at its widest point. Natural man walking without the power of God through that Jordan River will drown, will die, won't make it. But by the power of God, by the one who brings us through safely through, as he did with them. by him, and by him alone. It is too wide. It is too deep. Verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Our greater Joshua leads us home. Joshua was the commander. He was exalted in the sight of the people. To show that God was with him just as much as he was with Moses. But there is one better than Moses here. There is one better than Joshua that we have in our final moments. As we too, and none of us know when this is going to happen. You can be five. You can be 15. You can be 50. You can be 75. None of us know how long we have left. Today might be your last day on this earth, no matter your age. Do you have this greater Joshua, who this is pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you safely to your heavenly home by his miraculous power? You see, when we die, when we're brought home, we need the power of God, don't we? We need the power of Almighty God. God brought them through the Red Sea. God brought us from serving sin to serving Him. God will bring us all the way home. God will bring us all the way home. He brought He delivers as the beginning of our salvation. He will bring it. Us home, the end. At the end, at that final point. Look what happened to the people of God as they crossed over the Jordan River. Verses sixteen and verse number seventeen. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap, very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Verse 17, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. All the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. How? They passed over because of the power of God. They passed over because their commander, Joshua, led them there. The presence of God was with them. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And these are given to us so that we may take courage in our final moments that we may take courage that the Lord delivers his people beginning, middle, and end. Unto eternity. Where there is dry ground. Who is our captain? Who is one far stronger than Joshua? Surely it is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ represents man. He is truly Man, he represents all those who are trusted in him by faith and by faith alone. The Pope of Rome claims the title of Pontifax Maximus. Literally, that phrase means ultimate bridge builder. Of course, it is a nonsense. The Lord Jesus Christ is our bridge, our way. To our heavenly Canaan, our way home. He brings us. Death does not have power over us, as Paul wrote in First Corinthians fifteen fifty five. O death, where is thy sting? For the Christian, O grave, where is thy victory? In verse fifty five. But that is what Christ has brought us. And friend, do you believe today? That Christ is enough. That it's not Christ plus something else. It's not Christ plus your efforts. Christ himself is enough. His life, enough. His death, enough. His resurrection, enough. His ascension into heaven, enough. His intercession for you, enough. Everything he gives you, is it enough? To deliver you home. Far greater than Joshua far greater than Moses, far greater than anything in this world. He is enough. His holiness is enough to bridge that gap and to bring us to our final resting place. Friends, do you fear death? Do you fear that point in which you will breathe your last breath? You lay your head against the pillow and you wonder, will it be my last time? We ought not to be like the world, friends. We have the greatest truth. We have the word of the living God. We have something that the world does not have. The the future, as revealed in the scripture, is knowable. And we only know it because God has seen fit to show it to us. And give us a wonderful future in and through Jesus Christ. God has revealed a future. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Have you trusted him this far? Continue to trust him. You may face difficulty in the future. Continue to trust him. You may have health difficulties. Continue to trust him. You may have Difficulties in relationships continue to trust him and cry out to him. The Lord has never failed any of us. Friends, we have so often failed him in thought, in word, and in deed. He's never failed you. Never. And he will bring you home. The world wants you to worry and doubt, have sleepless nights. The Lord wants you to have rest in him. Trust him. Trust him today for your future. Amen. Let us pray before almighty God. Glorious and heavenly father. We thank Thee for Thy mercy, for Thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who brings us home, the one who brings us to the end of our journey, the one who brings us to our heavenly Canaan. May we trust Him, beginning, middle, and end of our journey. Though we may have anxiety and trial and difficulty, we rejoice in thy Son who has never failed us, who does all that he promises, who answereth prayer. We thank thee for thy mercy, for salvation, for delivering us from the house of bondage. And as we Come closer and closer, day by day. May we walk by faith and not by sight. May we be guided by God. May we be changed by God. May we trust in the promises that thou hast given us. And may we find courage, knowing that our future is assured and our inheritance is with thee for all eternity. Pardon our sins. Forgive our unbelief. Help us in this area. Help us, Lord God, that we may glorify thee in our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.